Hi, and welcome to episode two on this special series spinoff from On Point with Oak Street Funding called Approaching Independence. I'm Susie McEwen, Vice President of Strategic Market Sales here at Oak Street Funding, where I focus on providing capital to RIAs and investment advisors. I'm so excited to have Matt Reynolds, co-host of this new series with me today. He's the president of Bristol Lane Group and a key resource for advisors. We look forward to bringing you this episode all about converting your business to advisory and practice planning for the transition. To start, Matt, in episode one, we talked about transitioning to independence. And I think it would be great if you can remind our listeners what we covered in that call and internally what they should know about going independent. You mind touching base and giving us a little high-level overview of what we talked about? You got it. And thanks, Susie. Um, what we really focused on was before you make the decision that you want to go independent, where you're going to go, you have to start with just looking internally. So that means, one, starting with your clientele, right? What do they need? What services can you provide? And by going independent, what can you add? Um, second is if you're going to have a partner or your employees, how, what do they need, right? And how you're going to work together. So before you make that move. And I think a, an important one is the third item, which is when you're making the decision to go independent, um, as we've talked about in the past, it's, it's more than just how you're compensated, but it is all the things you want to be able to do control for the client experience. And I think one thing that we always have to remember is what are those services that are being offered to your client today at your current firm um, that you may or may not be able to continue to offer later, right? When you go independent. So making the decision to go independent has a lot to do with what are those client needs and maybe what you're solving for as well. No, that's great. That's a great overview and wrap up from our last series. So I appreciate that. So getting into now this episode, I wanted to ask you what you think that the key steps are as far as transitioning from a brokerage firm to going like independent fee-based type advisory? Sure. Um, as you know, we, we do a number of transitions a year. Um, large firms, um, what we like to call uh, wirehouse refugees, yeah. um, and bringing them fully independent um, to the individuals who are maybe at an independent firm and simply want to have a little bit more control over their practice. Uh, and what we've found kind of the single most important is something that we touched on a little bit ago, which is why are you doing this, right? I, we, we, uh, we sometimes forget in, in our desire to make the client experience so much better, right? Thinking that you can go somewhere else. I think sometimes it's lost on what that transition looks like um, and what that does to the client. So as we both know, when there's a transition that occurs with an advisor, it is hair on fire, it is you know, details, it is running around, and typically it's anywhere between three and six months of you know, sleepless nights and creating something new. With the transition support, obviously that gets easier, but I think remembering what that transition is going to do to the clients, right? how they're gonna transition, what they need to understand, uh, because when you're going through that process, you've spent months and months preparing for it, um, doing all the right things, getting consistent with what you're going to do. I think the hardest thing is for clients um, to understand what does it mean that I'm moving? And two, what does that mean to my investments or to how I'm going to be treated? Um, 
if we can keep that as consistent front of mind um, and make the transition a little less about the activity that needs to occur and more about what, what's about the clients, that's probably the single most important. No, and that's communication is key. Yes. And yeah. so, I mean, I just went through that myself um, with my advisor, um, change broker dealers, and and I paid attention to it because I think it's important that the client, it has to be transparent. And so most clients with their advisor, that's a very trusting relationship. And um, and they're, they're going to follow, but they need to understand how's it affecting, like you said, their investments. What is it in for them? What's going to evolve as far as is it new pricing model? Those things and transparency and having that information up front is going to be a real key factor. Um, and then also, you know, if they're coming from the wirehouse, as you know, or even a big bank, they have to follow their goals and also offer proprietary type services, cross-selling and going independent, it kind of really opens up, you know, that ability to have um, open architectural type um, investments and what an added value. And I think it's, it's definitely working with the team to help make that communication very transparent. Don't you think? I do. So when, when your broker just went through that process, um, what are, You've, you've helped hundreds, hundreds. Of, of reps go independent um, and become business owners. I mean, what are some of the best kind of takeaways? What are some of the best communications that you've heard that help uh, clients understand what's going on? I think, um, you know, the information as far as working with a team like yours, you know, because they can't do everything themselves. So, and then having who the custodian is, you know, whether it's Schwab, LPL, whoever it is, they position with the transition team and have that trans transition team help lay out the map as far as the uh, timetable. Um, but communication where, like my advisor, you know, I got a text message, I got an email, I, I knew exactly what was happening, all the communication pieces, what to expect, phone calls, and, you know, I'm a small fish. I'm not, you know, like, <laughs> I don't have millions of dollars in investments. But, and I appreciated that because he made sure his team was trained to be able to communicate effectively as far as, you know, the moving parts of what step to next step to take. Um, so it went very smooth. And, you know, with transitioning to independence, it's not for everyone, as you know. And, I can kind of, as a lender, I can kind of sense out whether or not that advisor is going to be able to put on their business owner hat. It's not only offering more services to these clients, but and and being um, they own their own book, their own business, but they got to run a business. And I tell advisors when they call me and say, you know, I'm thinking about going RIA, or you know, I'm working for a brokerage and I want to go independent. And so I'll say, have you, do you know what it's like being a business owner and who are you surrounding yourself with, with the experts, firms like yours, um, to help with the accounting, the consulting, the technology. And did, did you see, so talking about technology, when you just went through this process, mm -hmm. did you see uh, um, kind of an immediate change in the technology that was used? Um, how, how did that work out for you? 
Yeah, it's actually so much better. <laughs> so that was that okay. was that was a selling point. So the technology was definitely one of the things that I think prompted this advisor um, to move to a different direction. And so, um, and again, he surrounded himself getting the right help to make sure he did everything right. Um, and the other thing is, um, if there, if it is an advisor and they owe money out there, let's say they're an independent advisor and they're going RIA and they owe money to their current, maybe their, their broker dealer or, um, maybe to a bank, they, they need to make sure they communicate that they can't just move their book of business and think that the bank's going to figure that out. That is a no-no. We and it's one of those areas where um, early in the transition, when we get started, just getting to know someone. Yeah. Um, one of the things we talk about is okay, what do you owe? Let's just put that in in the yes. transition plan. What do you owe? When does it need to be paid back? Yes. And the day that you leave, you leave with saying thank you. I'm leaving. And by the way, this is what I'm going to pay you back. Right. And that's where you and I, when we work together. Yeah. We are parallel, you know, we're, we're paralleling with what they need to get done. Like us being Oak Street, we can get them all ready to go with their financing. If they have some kind of obligation, not a non-forgivable loan they got to pay off, we can get everything lined up. And then as soon as those assets move, we can pull the trigger, pay off that loan. So, you know, we work closely with you to, to make sure that happens. So, and we just did it with one client recently, and it went very, thankfully, it went very smooth sailing. But that individual was very, very organized. You're right. You're right. And and to, to that point, you talked about communication. Mm -hmm. It was upfront. I'm leaving. This is when I'm going to be able to pay you back. Right. So there wasn't any question about the legalities of that individual leaving. And that is huge. Make sure the, these advisors that they are seeking counsel. Um well, I think that's a that's another question that we had talked about. So when you, having done this a lot, um, what are the different professionals that you typically ensure that someone has or, you know, around them? CPA, okay. an attorney, a banker, which is me. <laughs> <laughs> right. I call you and because um, I want to know they're going to start having to do their own financials. They got to have reporting. They got to be in compliance. The compliance is a, is a concern. So, you know, ask them, okay, are you dealing with your transition team? You know, that with the custodian, if they're switching custodians um, or if, you know, they're becoming independent with the same custodian. Um, that's my number one question. Are they working with a consultant to help with, because if they're going to do financing with us, we're going to want to see like performance. And we're going to want to know that somebody is helping them prepare financials. I mean, we we are going to ask for ongoing, if they have a loan with us, um, updated financial statements, tax returns are being filed. Um, I always say this, have your house in order, have everything in order. And somebody working with, uh, an advisor working with your firm is going to give them a punch list of things they're going to need to do to get ready besides us. Um, helping them on that same, because we're going to ask for some of the same information. Yeah. We, we feel pretty fortunate. I mean, as a, as a plug for Bristol Lane, right? One of the things that we feel uh, fortunate about is we do have the different teams inside of the firm. 
to be able to cover a lot of that. So oh, yes, we provide transitions, but as you know, we have a we have an entire business around um, starting up companies mm -hmm. and putting together the financials. Right. We have a substantial tax business, um, so we have CPAs and um, attorneys on council. Um, and then we also do a lot of the, the compliance work. So the benefit to your point is there's there's so many different flavors of independence as we were just talking about before. Yeah. Um, understanding what the nuances are for each one of those. That is so critical. Is yeah. Because that communication piece back to the client, um, it's even, even outside of independent, um, going independent, even M&A, you know, if they are, if an advisor is buying a book of business, is it positive consent? Is it negative consent? These are things that's where you um, and your attorneys on staff can help figure that piece out because we, we're the lender. We are not, um, even though we have our own legal staff, they're reviewing by sell agreements. They're asking those questions. Do they have a non-compete, non-solicitation? Can they leave? Do they have to give 30 days notification? Do they have a non-forgivable note? When does it have to be paid off? Does it have to be paid off as soon as they walk out the door? Those are the questions I ask, and I got to have the answers for the underwriter. Well, we've even, on, on one of the clients that we've worked with, um, it goes down to, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to say the financial part of it, but you and I have talked about, you know, are they, are they buying from a, you know, a respected, you know, seller, right? Do yes. they have... Do they have compliance or regulatory concerns right. by leaving that, by acquiring that business? Yep. Um, and I think those are all um, those are all questions that are worth asking, right? right. And, and I, I think that's that's one of the benefits that both can come with enough experience. You can make sure that those questions are being asked. And we can tell the viewers that are listening um, to this podcast is that we can work together as a team on a call. I mean, we can, coincidentally, we're in, together in Indianapolis, so it's easy for us to pop in a conference room, either at our office or your office, but, you know, to have a Zoom call, and that way they can talk, the advisor can talk to both of us at the same time, kind of makes it even more um, smoother. So there's things you're going to think about that we may not have, because there's things that you're going to want to know that we're going to ask questions on. <laughs> yeah. So that's important. So question for you. We um, we can talk through you know, the compliance or the actual physical getting ready, right? What does it take? But when someone comes to you um, and, and they've never put together a pro forma before, what do they really need, right? What, what are you looking for right up front mm -hmm. to just start the conversation about money? Yeah. So I want to know, obviously, if they... Um, you know, if they have any outstanding debt on their practice, that's number one. And then as far as like, if they are moving, I want to know what they're going to end up generating as far as revenue and have they figured out what their expenses are going to be overhead with payroll, rent, technology. What's the things that are going to need maybe from working capital standpoint to help make that move? Those are some of the questions I'm going to ask. And then, um, you know, are they current with the filing of their tax returns? <laughs> you know, we we understand people file extensions. That's no problem. But um, it's going to be key that they put together a really good, we ask for three-year projections. 
we know we're focused on the first year because that's important because that's really what's going to be paying for the debt service if they're actually borrowing money from us and we're repaying. So um, we're going to ask for if they do have a non-forgivable note, you know, getting copies of that, their AUM, their trailing 12-month revenue. Um, have they ever moved before? Have they ever moved their book of business? And if you have, what was successful about it? What was it? Uh, were you, what was the percentage of retention? And what about your staff? Have they moved before? Um, are they moving with you now? Is there somebody you're going to leave behind? Um, those are things that that first general conversation I'm going to have with that client or the advisor. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think we, we, we dive into some of the different questions, but starting right off the bat, being able to help them prepare what you you need i mean that's mm -hmm. i like the relationship that we have because we spend a lot of time with with these advisors yes and, and between us we can say uh yeah you need to take care of this or a quick phone call to each other to say reminder this has to happen yeah so um something advisors need to keep in mind uh through the entire process is compliance so tell me matt what are the regulatory and compliance considerations that should be considered when these advisors go independent? Sure. Um, one of the things that, you know, I think we're going to be talking to, and this will be seen by a lot of different advisors looking for different flavors of independence. Uh, so it's, it's really going to be dependent. But I think where it all starts with is understanding what you're leaving, right? What's, what's your agreement saying? Right? So if you're at a wirehouse, obviously those agreements look a little bit different than if you're at an independent today and you're looking to just break off to your own RIA. Um, an important one, though, is really getting an idea of that and then what regulations you're willing to or, or you're going to be responsible for on the other side, right? So as we've talked about, independence has different flavors. If you're going independent uh, with a company that has their own corporate RIA, that means it is their ADV. It might be their you know national name, but your local identity. Yeah. That's a little bit different. You're going to have internal resources right. um, that, that give you very specific information about what they need done. Then it's really about working with your team internally to make sure that you're hitting all of those requirements. If, on the other hand, you really are you're starting your own RIA, um, at that point, it is an entirely new regime that you now have to put in place. So firms like ours will end up typically doing both the transition work as well as the startup work. And that startup work is everything from operating agreement and articles of incorporation to actually getting them registered with the SEC. And, and you've said it before, right? Um, the, the benefit uh, with working with a, with a group that does that is you're not guessing, right? There's, there's lots of different ways to go about um, starting a business and, and getting registered. Um, I think the reason that we've found so much success there is it really is about what can we implement for you so that you can focus on clients, mm -hmm. not on making sure you're reviewing emails, right? And, and it's it really does come down to there's just so many details, right down to cybersecurity anymore, mm -hmm. um, which we've seen a lot of new regulation come out of. Um, we try and just make sure that everyone's working with the right vendors uh, or has the talent internally to get it done. No, that's great. No, good, very good point. So... Um, Tell me what what kind of systems infrastructure that you would 
that your firm helps with as far as the transition um, to go independent? What kind of tools? Um, that's one of the things we do ask about as far as the cyber security. Yeah. Um, because especially if we're doing loans in millions of dollars, we got to make sure we have a um, our underwriting team has a, like a punch list of things that they're like, you know, you have this in place and this in place and this in place. I mean, that's where we really depend on they understand what they're they're talking about when they talk to us for financing. Yeah, uh, so there's a couple of different ways to look at technology, but for folks like us who have been in the business, so we've seen kind of that evolution, right? We 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 knew of uh, we knew of advisory businesses before you had to have a compliance officer, right? And 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 how it's evolved, but I think where it starts with is client facing first, mm-hmm. right? So um, how are you going to bill, right? How are you going to provide performance reporting to clients, right? So that's a that's kind of a big start. Um, the second is dependent on your kind of business, right? Do you need a trading system, or is the trading system at your custodian going to be, you know, what you need? And in some cases, you make a decision, right, on which custodian based on what their technical uh, technical capabilities are. Um, CRMs are important, and then of course uh, you have financial planning if, if that's part of your business. I think back to what you were talking about though is all three of those are just fine, but what's the wrapper, right? Yeah. How do you protect client information? How are you um, protecting yourself against cybersecurity, which has become more of a real hot topic for the regulators as well. Yes. Yeah. And you guys you guys can help them with that. We sure. do. Yeah. And and in a lot of cases, uh, what we'll do is we'll work with a vendor that they might may have worked with in the past, just from a technical perspective. Right. right? Making sure you don't get the blue screen of death, right? Mm-hmm. And your printers are printing. Um, but we will work with those companies to make sure that they're in compliance, regulatory compliance with all of the regulations uh, that the SEC has put out. So just thinking of a question with the advisors that are going independent and they work with you to get set up. When you say, I mean, you do more than that. You help support them ongoing. That's important to know. And that's one thing that we want to know if we're lending money to an advisor that is making this major change is that they have ongoing support on, you know, in the future as well. It's not like a one, one stop situation with you guys, you're going to help your team is going to help them, um, ongoing. Yeah. I, and I think that's one of the other benefits of of you and I working together so much is there's kind of a consistency. I know what you're going to need and you know, you know, that's, that's been beneficial, but yeah, we, um, we never like to be in a position where it's a transaction. Right? Yeah, we don't. We don't want to same, be same here. Right, it's it's a relationship. We have a great relationship with these folks, um, advisors. Um, we've always talked about it when you go through transition together. You and I have done this. You're in the trenches together. Exactly. Right? You you build a relationship. You bet. You bet. So, in those cases, what what we do, and, and to your point, um, we don't do everything in house. Right. We you can't be everything to everybody. But what we can do is those capabilities right, for new firms that are that are all right mm-hmm. we actually come to them with a complete package here use us and use this technology we have we have different technologies we put in place that way they don't have to worry about them the first year until they're ready to kind of get out of the nest and and, and decide what they want to do um but at the same time we then work with their vendors if they want um to do that so you and i share a couple of clients where posts you know, uh, post-transition, we work with you to make sure that, 
know their accounting is straight. We make sure yes. that their reporting on a quarterly basis is done. Um, so I, I think uh, making sure that everyone understands that our relationship with you as a bank, with us as the support team, that's an ongoing service. I think everybody's going to get from this podcast is that surround yourself with the experts. You know, you being the advisor, they can't be all things on people. They they've got to surround themselves with a team to make this happen. And it's going to, you know, nine out of ten advisors that I've have talked to, probably nine point five, they're like, why didn't I do this sooner? Yes. Why didn't I do this earlier? You know, they they see the reap of the benefits. It not only benefits them, it benefits their clients. And um, it gives them opportunity to have in, inorganic growth besides organic. Okay. So that brings up a question. Um, advisors are going independent. And I think there's this preconceived notion, I'm immediately going to double my income. Right? <laughs> when, when, you, when you go through this process, right, there's that, that time frame where you're really what I call out of the market. Yeah. You're just you're just helping clients move their business or move their accounts. How do you help advisors manage their cash flows, manage their you know their payments? How does that work? You know, we actually what we do is when their cap when they get paid, obviously um, their fees. Sometimes we have their fees actually come to a bank account. We establish a banking relationship with them with. First Financial Bank, that's our parent company. And so we're going to ask for reports. You know, if they have a financing, um, if they borrow money with us, we're going to ask for ongoing reports for um, assets under management, their revenue, um, to make sure that there's a there's going to be a benchmark. They borrow money from us. You know, if they had, let's say, $100 million in assets under management generating a million dollars in revenue, um, where they left, we know there probably will be a little bit of fall off, but there may be clients they want to leave behind, but we're going to have them do some projections to determine what they think they're going to look at. And we're going to use that benchmark. We're going to say, okay, let's just think that they're going to end up annualizing $800,000 a year instead of a million. And on a quarterly basis, we're going to ask for that updated reports um, to make sure that they're staying on track. But, you know, it's about the relationship with the client to make sure they don't leave, but it's an opportunity too that they're going to be able to dive deeper that they may not have been able to do with the next gen, you know, more households, also buying books of business where they've not had the ability to do that before, possibly even adding advisors that is bringing a book of business to them that um, can be on their on their platform to generate more revenue. But if they borrow money from us, we're going to continue to monitor that that revenue. It also gives them the opportunity with their clients because if they're coming from a wirehouse or from a bank, not only are they managing their book, they're also they have to answer, like I mentioned earlier, to goals and certain things they have to sell. That frees them up with the time to be able to focus on building center of influences. Um, you know, when I started in the business, my clients, I find out who their attorney is, who their CPA is, build those relationships with those third party to be able to get new referrals to grow even more so with new business. That makes sense. And, and I guess 
from a technical perspective, we get a lot of questions about structure, right? Mm -hmm. what, should I should I have an LLC or do I just do it myself yes. or do I need an S corp? From a banking perspective, does that feed into the decision making at all? Is there a, is there one that makes more sense than the other? You know, we rely on the experts on the, you know, we're not CPAs. And so what is going to be the best tax advantage for them? Our, you know, our concern is just making sure that obviously the cash flow is going to support the debt service. Cash flow is king. And so um, the one thing that we do monitor, though, is how they handle distributions. There's going to be a situation where they may get a little bit of salary and distributions. But all in all is really is the cash flow from the book of business after they pay their overhead, is it going to be sufficient to cover their lifestyle and the debt they have with us? And we have certain minimum requirements. That, that makes sense. I, I like the fact that it's it's both their lifestyle and right yes. the, the, the debt service, not just the debt service that we're worried about. I think yeah. that's, that's appreciated. Especially if it's, you know, a one person or, you know, one person that is, it's their RIA and they've gone independent. The one that we just recently talked to talked or did transitions for. I that was one of the things that I looked at is what did they look like personally on their balance sheet? And, you know, are they going to be able to if there is a little bit of a hiccup with volatility in the market? And we've experienced that over the last few years up and down that can they take a drop in revenue? Because. Our underwriters, they're specialized. They lend money, um, they underwrite for lending money to RIAs, independent advisors, CPA firms, and insurance. So they do stress tests and um, they make sure before we actually say, yes, we're gonna lend that money, they put stress tests in there to see if it's gonna if it's gonna work. I mean, we look at the demographics of the book of business, you know, making sure that's not the average age is 75 or 80. Um, and how many households they have, um, and the support that they're going to have from their own team besides someone from the outside. That makes sense. That makes sense. We, we do get questions about structure a, a lot. And, mm -hmm. and I think to your point, it, it really depends. I hate, I hate giving that answer, but yeah. at the end of the day, it really depends. It did. Yeah. Their tax situation. Yeah. And you know, how many, how many owners are involved, right. you know, and you know, what, if, if they plan on having, um, we've seen this with some of the people that we've worked with where they have their own S-Corp, they're independent, but then they're on a team and they're independent. So they have another like holding company. So, and you know, the revenue flows through all these different entities. Um, it's just making sure it, you know, we need to know why it's structured that way and, and, and we set it up that we got to have copies of all the business entity documents. We tell folks, figure that out before we can't fund the loan until we know if you're going to have an entity or not. As we kind of wrap up our episode, Matt, some of the things that kind of came to mind that, you know, since 2020, things have just been obviously different. Rates went really low. Then they started increasing volatility in the market, values drop. The one thing that hasn't changed is like really the values in these books of businesses. They have been holding their own. What we saw from Oak Street side in early 2023 that 
we had a little bit of a slowdown. I mean, we're, we're still really busy, but M&A kind of slowed down a little bit. And then suddenly, I think the new norm happened. Everybody realized interest rates are higher. They're, they may come down a little bit, but it's like it's back to business. Everybody's out there trying to figure out their succession, M&A, if they're going to go independent. So I say, you know, it's back to business. What, what are your thoughts? What do you think 2024 will look like? Do you, um, we know interest rates, they are what they are, but hopefully they'll come down a little bit. But any thoughts? Yeah, we, we've been talking to a lot of uh, a lot of people in that space. You know, it definitely um, CIO types, uh, people who are, are interested. And I think you're right. I think there was this immediate pause, right? Yeah. My God, I've, I've never paid double digits in interest exactly. before, right? How, how does that happen? Um, I think after people have that shock and awe, then they go back to well, what is it that I'm really trying to accomplish? Mm -hmm. And and if it is about growth in organic growth, especially, mm -hmm. so they need to be independent and they need to be able to go out and buy, they're making a business decision that is theirs for the rest of their careers. So I think what we're seeing is more people are saying, Look, if I if I take that large number, that interest rate, right, that that scared me before, and I amortize that over the next twenty five years, it still makes more sense to do that than to stay where I'm at, limited, limited for my clients. Right, especially right now with the the aging population of advisors, yes. the average age is sixty. I mean, this is a great opportunity for succession, uh, Gen two buying in. And um, it's just a great opportunity. So they, I think, I think the interest rates they are what they are, and people are getting used to it. Um, I know we're as busy as we ever have been before, yeah. and we lend money from a hundred thousand all the way up to fifty million, all conventional, no SBA. So there's plenty of opportunity to get capital. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I think, um, and we we've heard this, we've seen this. Yeah. Um, there are more ways to get capital than ever before. Mm -hmm. um, I think what we try and tell people is where are, right? what is it? What's your long-term goal? Yeah. Because if the long-term goal is really to be in this business, to be an advisor um, and, you know, have a longevity, then the most expensive money is equity, right? Because yes. you, you're building something. Mm -hmm. um, and, that equity is still more expensive than double-digit interest rates. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing a lot of is there is that desire to, to build something that's a lot longer lasting, a lot bigger, but um, there is less and less now of the, I want to gather as many assets as I can so I can sell. They're just, we're seeing that appetite change uh, because right. to your point, the new natural buyers are going to be someone with a lot longer time frame and time horizon. What we're, what we're doing here, I think, is really valuable and important. Um, I hope that it's beneficial uh, to the people who are seeing it. Um, but I did want to thank you and, and Oak Street Bank. Um, and maybe just a little bit of a reminder, right, uh, between you and I, between the, the history and the relationships we have, we know a lot of people, right? We, we know a lot of industry that's So I'll put this out there, and I think you'll say the same thing. If there's an opportunity or a question, we're happy to pick up the phone. Absolutely. Right. And it doesn't cost anyone anything to simply give us a call, ask questions and see if there's ways that we can help them with preparing to go into
Matt, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure working with you and having you here at Oak Street Funding. Um, I think, as we both said and both agree, we work very closely together. Our goal is to help clients make that step, um, advisor moving to independency. And so if there's anything that we can do, just pick up the phone and call and we're here to help. Thanks for listening and stay tuned in 2024 for the next episode of Approaching Independence. Have a happy holiday season, everyone.